Ready for the interview And if you get a cue Live on the laptop Watch what I'm gonna do Welcome to the show Let them know we got a point of view Hey, yo Let's have a combo Say what you feel Be real, that's the motto Real talk, pronto Doctor D, PhD Hit the intro Hold up, wait Gotta be social Network global Home for the locals Gotta be social Network global Home for the locals Hi, Riley. I saw that you were in the Air Force. Am yes. I correct about this? Yes. How did you get into the Air Force? Like, what was your reasoning for joining the military? Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, and I just finished 20 years. That's amazing. And recently, thank you. Um, because I wanted to be a pilot. And wow. yeah, so I flew home from college um, when I was like 17. Um, and it was just the, the most, I flew late <laughs> in my life. Um, already at 17 before I ever got on an airplane. Um, and it was the most amazing, exciting thing, you know, it was just the physics, just everything going on. It was just so interesting. Um, and I started asking around and I was just like, what's the best place to be trained? And everybody said air force. <laughs> so that's what I did. So did you have any ideas about what the air force would be like when you got into it? Or were you like, I don't know, I'm just going to go with it. Oh my gosh, I I I did not. Um, none of my family was in any of the armed services. I didn't know anybody. Um, I spent a lot of time, you know, meditating on it, you know, praying on it. I, you know, talked to the recruiter. Um, actually, you know, when they got done, the recruiter's actually laughing at me. I was like, I want to be a pilot. And he's like, that's I was 18 years old. He was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's like, so there's a few things you're going to need to do first. He's like, go talk to this one other girl, right? So there was also not that many, you know, females, I guess, at that time, you know, or in the South in Tennessee. And so, you know, I spoke to this girl and, you know, kind of got her path and her direction. And I started talking to people. Um, and I guess I was on a path to, you know, I was like, okay, I'll go to school, be a doctor. I really wanted to help and serve people. Um, and it got sidetracked into this aviation. So now you can kind of see how this culminates into kind of Sophia Health, but when I talked to her, you know, she had joined, you know, she's a medevac. So she was an air medical evacuation technician. And then when she was finished with grad school and some of the requirements that we have to have the tests and stuff, she commissioned and then went on to be a pilot. And I was like, well, I'm going to do the same thing. And so, and I was like, if all else fails um, and I can't do this pilot thing, you know, I'll go back to med school and I would have been, you know, serving for seven years or four years or whatever the minimum was, you know, at doing this medical thing. So I was an EMT slash LPN equivalent kind of in, in the service. And so I was like, well, it helps no matter what. So, um, it was either medical or pilot. So that those were the tracks. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. Did you spend any time at the air force Academy or go there? I did not know. I, I did um, a different track. So, and I was in the guard. Gotcha. I was just there actually in Colorado Springs. It was mind blowing actually. It was, it was like, wow. There, I didn't, I grew up in a military family, but like the army I was an army uh -huh. rat. So I had that experience, not much time with the air force. I knew some people in it, but it was like great learning the history of the air force and the little museum they had. I, I just, my respect for it grew quite a bit after learning about it. It was an awesome, it's an awesome place. Seriously. Yeah. I mean, army and air force were combined, right? So you got to see, you know, kind of the genesis of all of that before they split off and yeah, it's pretty cool. So once you got in, what was maybe the most surprising part about serving? 
Yeah. So, you know, again, Tennessee Guard, I think one of the things that I still hold today is how supportive everybody was of my dreams being so young, um, you know, other than being laughed at, but trying to go in and tell them what yeah. I wanted to do. You know, I'm still close with the people that I served with when I was um, enlisted um, and medical and I was medical. And I think that was pretty incredible. And I think what you really learn is leadership and accountability. And I think that's something that I just appreciate. And I think that isn't really some, you, it just really isn't something that, you know, a lot of people have this misconception. You're just in the armed forces, like you're just told what to do. You're just this, <laughs> you know, kind of toy soldier mentality. And, <laughs> and really, I mean, from both sides, it's just so much responsibility um, and it's just exciting. And they train you to take, you know, these leadership roles and, and grow and expand in your, in your job as you're doing your job, whatever it is. Um, and then you're trained to be a leader in that job over time. And I think that's just, it's empowering and it's really incredible. The leadership within all the services, I think is pretty incredible. It's invaluable. I agree. Can you contrast that between leadership in military life versus leadership you've seen in the private sector? Mm, you know, that's hard because, you know, on the, the private sector, I've been mostly startups or in, you know, an airline organization, right? So it's a little bit different constructs versus, you know, somebody who may have that traditional, traditional model. But um, I think one of the things even in the startup world I've seen is really, you know, we kind of lead by example. Um, and I can't say this is not true on, you know, the the civilian side, but, you know, lead by example, it's be responsible and have accountability. And, you know, we're going to give you the task and we're going to trust that you're going to do your job. And I'm not, you know, there may be, I don't, I don't know if that exists on the civilian side. <laughs> those <laughs> constructs are very different and I haven't been in those as much. So. Yeah. I, even though I was not in the armed services uh, growing up in it, you still learn a lot about that leadership. And certainly accountability was gigantic in my experience with that and being around military bases and things of that nature. And I, I was going to say, like what you said, I'm not sure that exists that much <laughs> in regular life. Where are we missing in this? Like, why don't you think that exists as much in kind of civilian life? Yeah, great question. I have no idea. We you know we kind of talk about that a little bit. You know, I think you know, we're just looking, is this generational? Is this something, you know, we have the soft quitting right now. We have people who are like, oh, I just don't want to do this anymore. Or <laughs> I, I, we, I don't know. I can't, I don't think there's one. I think it could be a multitude of factors going on. I, I wish I had the answer to that, you know, and also, you know, I, I got in 20 years ago. So is this something that, are they seeing this in the military mm. today? You know, I'm not sure. Yeah. I talked to my uh, dad about this a few times, like last year. And he always says, he was in the military for 28 years as yeah. an officer. And he said, the, the military is a very different place now than it used to be. And his whole thing was that the kind of the, uh, the ceremony, uh, nor the strictness, um, even the physical fitness was very different, uh, back when he started to, when he, when he did end up retiring. And maybe that is kind of a microcosm of larger society, but it seems like. Right, right. Exactly. I mean, mostly people are not fit enough to join the military at this point. That could be happening as well. Yeah. I mean, there was a huge article about that, like 
Right. So, I, wanna, I mean, it's interesting. Yeah. I think like almost 70% of civilians are not fit enough to join the military at this point right now. Wow. That's I pretty mean, bad. If you, and if you think about that, right, along with trying to do a wellness company, you know, why are people not, you know, the standards aren't absurd. I mean, okay. <laughs> Army Marines can be, you know, Navy could be different. I mean, the yeah. Air Force, I knew what they were, but I mean, they weren't outrageous at all. I mean, no. it was. It's strange. It's, it's, it, but it's, it's mind blowing. It's, it's mind, mind blowing. Bl- it's mind blowing for kids because, you know, what, what's been going on in their life, the eating habits, the healthy eating, what's been going on to get to that point. But yeah, it's the differences, the differences are there for sure. And, you know, is the pandemic, are we going to have effects from the pandemic, you know, right. from being home? And now I get to do my class online. So I, don't, I think that those, effects could be profound and we don't even know what's going to happen with that yet. That's true. I mean, often like data presents itself over a long period of time and you get those results kind of longitudinally. So we're kind of just kind of see what happens, but this leads me is in a talk about wellness. What was the idea for Sophia health? How did you transition to that? Yeah. So I had, um, worked, you know, I ended up at Travis air force base, which is right mm-hmm. outside of, of San Francisco. And, um, I was a CrossFitter, working out, flying. Um, even then, I when I started flying, I was on the C-17, and I was like, okay, cool, I'm going to go back to Berkeley and go back to med school, you know, and I considered doing both, um, but I was flying a lot, and it was way too much school to do or even consider on top of of my job that I was doing for the, for the military, and, um, and then I had just kind of gotten into um, startups, and I was with a physician-led startup team. Um, and I thought that was incredible, right? It was a really unique, interesting way to have an impact. Um, but what I learned being military the whole time, right, is that I may not have the network to do my own startup. I don't have that. You know, my friends weren't all engineering and design. I didn't have a lot of those connections. And so over time after that startup, that's when I was like, okay, I need to go back to grad school. So these were kind of the the, the career decisions I was making all along. Meanwhile, um, again, as a, as a CrossFitter and runner, I happened to have an injury. Um, I had actually hurt my neck. I was coming from a burpee and I couldn't move. I couldn't move my neck like at all. Um, and I, and this was, this is a really long story, but I was like, okay, I know what to do. I'm not going to go to the ER, right? I'm not going to treat myself through the ER. So go to my doctor. She's like, you look fine. Come back when your hand's tingling. And then I was like, okay, get me in with the surgeon. Something's wrong. It's hard to breathe. You know, I don't know what, it was scary too. And so the surgeon's like, you're too young for surgery, take pain pills, go back. And I was just like, I'm a pilot. I can't just take pain pills. So really that led me to searching for somebody to help me like immediately in, in being in acute pain. And so I found an acupuncturist in the back of a chiropractor's office who happened to be open I found him on Yelp and I will tell you, I was 95% better leaving that office. Um, and it was really just this, it was eye opening. And so, but my search process was really terrible. And then over, over time, right. Having to go back to, to see all of these different independent, independent professionals, I realized like they were very impossible to find. They never really understood how to show up online in a super professional way. You know, most of them are on Yelp. And so when I went to to grad school, I really got the time for two years to focus on this. Like, what is this issue? Why can I never find the people that I need to take care of myself? And how did 
my healthcare system let me down. And so I got to spend, because of that injury, I got to really focus for a very long time in a lot of my grad school classes on, you know, what is this problem that we're looking at here and how could we potentially solve it? I mean, it was years of interviews. Wow. And so, so just take us through the platform a little bit, a high level, then maybe we'll dive in deeper. So what the platform is, why you named it Sophia Health? That would be interesting. To yeah, know. yeah, yeah. Also, as well yeah, for that. Yeah, cool. We'll start with that one. So, um, it yeah. So again, you know, I was working on this in grad school, and you know, getting you know, in all the different classes we got to work on. I was like, hey, we'll do this project. We can do it on this the Sophia thing, and and you know, your classmates are like, okay. And I was like, well, I think we need a new name. The name comes actually from Sophia. So when I would fly in and out of Afghanistan, right? I was flying around the world. Um, and I just always loved coming in, you know, in and out of Germany, you're on the way back from, Bul you know, it's over Bulgaria, it's the capital, um, and just researching it. And I just, I really thought it was a beautiful name. And so when Sophia and I, and it stuck and I was like, okay, Sophia Health, I thought it's a beautiful name. It's easy to say, and it stuck. And I, and a girlfriend of mine, I was like, I need to change the name. And she's like, it actually means all wisdom mm. and it's kind of perfect and fitting and it stuck from there. So that's kind of how the, the name came about. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I, I would have never guessed that. Right. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, that's, that's awesome. So you wanted to bring, have a platform to bring people together, wellness practitioners and consumers. Is that what we're saying? Right. So, I mean, I think this is 2017. So way before the pandemic, Remember, I had had my accident where I was like, okay, how do I have access to the best insurance in the world? But when I needed help, they were not available and it was painful surgery. And I had to go find these complimentary, these other types of modalities. And so what I did diving in was I started researching these individual practitioners and I was like, what's your top pain points? And every single one marketing and technology over and over. And then I spent some time on the consumer side, talking to people with chronic illnesses, whether it was, you know, on the mental health or pain uh, side and specifically, or on, you know, more diabetics. Um, and basically I was like, you know, tell me about your day in a life. And they were actually spending hours a day searching for solutions. And so basically how do we put these two together in a way that makes sense? How do we solve this marketing technology for, for one side of the party and then handle the search on another, right? So we have platforms today that are just directories but that wasn't helping me solve my problem. In this world of wellness, we don't know the names. If I knew I needed to go to an acupuncture, I would have Googled acupuncturist and, and then started comparing it and go. But a lot of times what we're looking at solving in the mental health or chronic pain world, we don't even know what's available. Some of these people have titles you would never even understand. Even when it comes to the holistic nutrition realm, the titles are just never ending and they can change state to state along with regulations. So then it became, how do you start to know the difference and where should I go for care? What do I care about? You know, is it my language? Is it, you know, the, you know, male, female, you know, what do I care about in a practitioner that I'm going to help? Um, that's going to, that I'm going to get to help me. And so that's when it all came together and how do we put them together on a platform? And that's where we started. So what's been the result uh, as you started this, what have you seen? What's the feedback you've received from it? 
Yeah. So we have a few hundred practitioners now. So we support their business. Um, so we give them turnkey business tools and then we have consumer searching and booking. Um, so we let practitioners actually list their services and their products. I think consumers love it. Um, we see a lot of products being purchased, right? Because a lot of independent practitioners need to scale their business and products are a great way to do that. Um, yes, that's what we've seen so far. Right. And it's easy. So actually a lot of practitioners you know, um, I think just recently we had one who's like, look, I've spent all my time building this website myself and her website got hijacked. And she's like, I don't want to deal with any of this. And so we yeah. have a lot of people who are like, I don't want to spend all my time marketing on Instagram. Riley, help <laughs> me, you know? So they're, so they're like, I don't want to build this website, do all the integrations and then turn around and spend all my time on Instagram. They're like, I'm a health yeah. professional. And so our platform allows them to say, I'm online, here I am, here's my business and all I can offer. And we give them the tools for people to find and book them. So talk about the range of, you know, you mentioned wellness. That's a very large term. Yeah, uh, I mean, is uh, we can get into that too. Like what, but <laughs> yeah. I think it's important to have that conversation, but what are the range of practitioners on there? So give me an example of kind of who are the stakeholders on there? Sure. So nutritionists, um, doulas, health coaches, we have some naturopathic physicians, life coaches. Those are pretty much the broad buckets. Okay. We have aromatherapist um, and doula. Something interesting I've learned since doing this too. We have doulas to bring life in. And we also have end of life doulas, you know, for people who are looking yeah. for end of life care, you know, for themselves and for their family. So, you know, grief practitioners, like that's its own specialty, you know, certificate sure. specialty. And so they're on there when you're needing to process that. So. What have you seen is most uh, requested or the service that has taken advantage of the most on the site? Oh, I'd have to, I couldn't <laughs> tell you off the top of my head. <laughs> now, we have a lot of yoga too. So yoga as I well. think okay. yoga and meditation are really taking off right now with, I'm guessing with COVID meditation is, which is yeah. great. Yeah. I think it's, it's pretty, um, I think it's pretty accurate, at least from the observations I've had in talking with people, it's skyrocketing. And a majority of people are saying, especially in exercise, they're exercising for mental health as their primary reason at this point with that, uh, which I think is astonishing that we've come this far with that. I agree. I can't, and it's, and it's free, you know, and I think a lot of people look at wellness and it's expensive. I can't afford this. And a lot of the best tools that we have we have the, our own ability to heal ourselves, you know, the mental, physical, emotional, spiritual, like meditation is free. I mean, you need to learn yeah. how to do it, but then uh, I just think it's a great free tool and free resource that you just don't have to pay for. So it's awesome. So tell, talk to me a little bit what, about what you see, um, what is positive in the wellness, overarching wellness space, and maybe what you see that is um, not so positive in the space. Oh, great question. Um, overall positive. I think that this is, um, being picked up at different levels of, um, you know, I think there's, we see a lot of different demographics coming into the wellness space. I see a huge uptick in all things wellness amongst the Gen Z's. Um, so I've seen a huge uptick in, in Gen Z's being interested in all the different things, whether it's you know, sound bath classes or whatever it is, people are really, really searching for what can I try to reduce anxiety? Mm -hmm. um, 
On the not so positive side, recently there was a study that came out that said 60% of women going to college today have are going in with a diagnosed mental illness, whether that's Whoa. anxiety or whatever that is. And I think that is just terrifying on um, a terrifying statistic. Um, but it, so is that correlated to, you know, we don't know, obviously, right? But is that correlated to people are searching for alternatives? Um, yeah, I'm not so sure, but terrifying statistics. That's not that great. Seeing. Those yeah. are bad statistics. But yeah. It makes me wonder, like, are there more report? Is there more reporting of mental illness um, now than there was in the past? And is it is there more mental wellness issues now versus in the past? Or is it just that it's reported more? I don't know. I'm curious what your thoughts are. I'm curious as well, because, (laughs) you know, because before COVID, were we looking at this? Did we take this as seriously? Or did we just say, there's a, there's a clinic on campus, go talk to somebody, here's an anxiety pill and you're good to go. And now we don't do that anymore. We're having conversations around mental wellness, which is great. So maybe people are starting to, to care about it and start to measure it. I think that's a really, really valid point. I think I just I often wonder because do we I think in our society we take something and go wow this wave is huge now, but what if the wave was already huge, it just wasn't being discussed, and it's not here. It's just it's interesting to talk about these different ways of looking at things because then we put priority on something that we think has become this huge flashing light. But what if the light's been flashing? And we, we just, just weren't talking. We about just it. weren't talking. I tend to think that's my opinion. I have nothing to back that up. It's clearly just speculation. But I often kind of try to think of things a little differently when it comes, to, especially wellness. I think you know. Yeah, especially mental wellness, right? I think that's something that we've just begun, you know, taking the stigmas down. And how do we, yeah. you know, help with this? And I think I think you're right. And I think COVID's really, you know, as terrible as that has been, it's really been tailwinds in the industry to start having these conversations and normalizing it. I agree. I think it's been there the whole time. I mean, that's, that's kind of the whole point is, you know, people in healthcare, right? Our health does not exist. It's not like a light switch. It's on and off. It's cumulative, right? So right. our physical health is the same as our mental health. This isn't something where, you know, it's degradation over time. Are you taking care of yourself from a young age on? Um, do you know how to handle the stress, anxiety, every day and grief? Are you doing what you need to do physically? Um, are you eating well to handle it all? Or are you going to let that accumulate? And then one day it just comes out in in not a great way. Right. So I think that there's, I think this has been not discussed for a very long time and we see the acute effects of that. Yes. And I think that's what we're trying to help with is helping yourself day to day. So you don't get to these acute ends of needing this aggressive care. I have an interesting thing to ask you, I feel like. All right, so being a pilot, I'm sure there's a level of stress and anxiety in flying a a plane, (laughs) you know. At what point does mental health, what's the line on that with mental health? I mean, there's a point where there's, okay, there's mental health, there's issues going on. But at one point, is it like, listen, you may have an issue that is not conducive to this environment. And I think sometimes with our mental health discussions, we don't discuss that element of it is maybe that the thing you're doing, you shouldn't be doing because of this, or yeah, I'm having a hard time. Like, like there's a cutoff, but I don't think we ever discuss the cutoff. We just go, this person has a problem. 
and we're going to deal with it rightly so. We should be sensitive to those things. But as it relates to work, there maybe there is a cutoff, though. It's like maybe this environment is not for you if you have this level of anxiety and it's not allowing you to do your job and you can't perform the, jo the job for that. I would imagine as an Air Force pilot, you can have you know, some depression, anxiety, but at what point is the line where it's like, this is not allowing you to do your job, actually. You can't be in this environment. Yeah, so you're in training for years um, before it's gonna get to that point. So in the Air Force there, you are screened heavily for symptoms like this, for mental health issues, and you go through a lot of training. So I wanna put that out there. So you are correct. It's never gonna get to that point um, more than likely where that's gonna happen. But there's a few things too that I wanna unpack here, right? Because again, it's not just as, you know, I've, I'm depressed about this issue, right? So there's isolated issues and there's long-term, right? So if you have anxiety, you're probably not going to want to be in a jet flying around by yourself. It's probably too stressful. You're going to self-select and say, this is not for me. Yeah. But people go through waves, right? So you could be going through divorces. You could be going through different um, phases in your life, family illness, and so we're huge in this, the aviation industry of saying, I'm fit for duty. And what does that mean? Right. Fit for duty means I'm mentally and physically fit for duty, right? And so every single time you step into that airplane, that jet, you're going to have to compartmentalize and you're going to have to be focused. But what we're, what they're really good at doing in the industry is saying, are you ready to go? If you're not, right? And then we talk about threats when we, let's say we get to the jet, we're briefing and it's like, Hey, I just found out my kid is sick. I just found out X, Y, Z. We're going to pull you off. We'll find somebody else and we're going to handle that issue before that becomes an actual threat in flight. So I think they do a really great job at doing self-assessment or, Hey, ask, you know, Hey, you're not looking so hot. Are you feeling okay? Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, so should you be flying today? And so that's the professional, the professionalism and it's accountability that you need to show up with and say, I'm not good to go. And if you're not, you call in sick, you know, we'll find yeah. somebody else for this because we have hundreds of lives in our hands. Um, so there's like, yes, in the beginning, are you too, is flying causing you anxiety? You're not going to want to choose a career yeah. that causes that. And then there's the spiked adrenaline because you have an emergency going on. Um, and in that situation for anxiety, you know, the anxiety inducing emergencies, you're, you know, yeah. we're really trained for those scenarios. Um, seems like there's a lot of fail safes in your your line. I think the maybe some of the concern in the private sector or in just general civilian life is a lot of these checks are not there. Right. You know, people are just showing up to work and yeah. their yeah. employers or the people who are are helping them are not necessarily doing the level of checks that you're receiving for that, which is what I actually really enjoyed about the military in my time being around it was just all of the, I would go back to it, the accountability, the, there's a lot on the line here. And we just often don't look at our daily lives. Like there's a lot on the line, but there is a lot on the line with your daily health, your mental health, especially. Yeah, that's right. And I think, you know, that you, I think you bring up a really interesting point is, you know, we're looking at this every day you step into jet and go to work you know, what are we doing, right? So I have a company having, we have employees, what are we doing to assess that every day? You know, are you taking the time off to manage your stress? What are employees doing to manage theirs? We actually have an employer program. Um, you know, we work with healthcare systems across the country saying, hey, here are all these classes and fitness classes, but 
you know, what are you doing at an employer level to help employees do this self-assessment? Am I good to come into work today? I mean, sometimes we go through life on autopilot. So is that what's going on? The autopilot, so to speak. I know, um, right? <laughs> yeah. So what are we doing for our employees to make sure, you know, you're just kind of slogging through it every day? Or are you really showing up mentally ready to do your job? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a relevant thing to all people working and whatever you're doing, whether you're working from home, working at an office, flying a plane. I mean, what is your status? Right. When you, you know, how are you waking up today? I think it's really interesting. I want to ask you something you mentioned about when you were trying to kind of find healing, the healthcare system, you had great healthcare, Correct. you have great healthcare, but it wasn't helping you find who you needed for that. No. What's wrong with our healthcare system in that, uh, in that aspect of it? Yeah, sure. So, you know, what I came to realize is when my doctor's like, you look fine, come back when you you know, your hand singling, what she was saying was, you know, come back when you're, you have failed to the point where I can have intervention, which would be the surgery, but I didn't want to get to that point. So if we look at our acute, if we look at our healthcare system on like the bell curve, right, we're really good at helping for crisis, like the interventions, like the ERs and surgeries um, for both the mental health world and, um, and the acute health world. But I think that our healthcare system is not designed for chronic it's not designed for, we say wellness, it's not designed to keep you healthy. It's there to, it's just not, it's just not designed for that day to day. And that's where all of these other practitioners come in. There is no system for them. Um, yeah. And that's why we built the system. The platform that we did is so you can actually go find the people that you need on that day to day. Um, and I think the really awesome part is Health coaches now are the, the the ones that are certified by the National Board of Health and Wellness Coaching. They are actually able to take insurance now. So they're recognized by the AMA. They sit for the board. Um, a lot of doctors are referring them to help you take care of your health. Um, so that's a huge improvement in our healthcare system. Other than that, that's not what our healthcare system is designed to do. My doctor's not there to say, oh, you have some you know, pain, all they can do and are they're trying to do is say, here's, we're going to handle it. Here's what you do. Go. Yeah. It's not, here's how to take care of yourself day to day and, you know, go try some acupuncture and, you know, whatever else that is, it's just not the construct of our system. It's and we just have to accept that. Yeah. And say, okay. So now what do I do? And I think when we understand what our healthcare system is, and it's amazing, right? We have amazing care. We're so lucky to have these amazing doctors but how do we, um, we need to understand what they do and then understand it's on us as individuals to, to take care of ourselves every day. It's not on that 10 minute appointment with a doctor a year to tell us what's wrong with us, do all of our labs, interpret what we're eating and then give us a plan. It's on us or the people on our platform. Yeah. You know what? You're, you're saying something that's very loaded for a lot of people. <laughs> I feel like personal accountability right. is hugely important. But the statistics do not bear that out, that people have a tremendous amount of personal accountability for their health, which so I'll tell you, being in in this industry, what's going on with this industry that we have skyrocketing, increasing uh, overweight, obesity, chronic health conditions and the regularity of exercise, physical activity has been stagnant for pretty much the last 30 years. What's happened? 
I think that the older we get, we get set in our ways, right? So I think we have to look at this in different generations and I don't see the same waves, right? Limited data, I'm not digging into all of it. And like you said, we're just now starting to measure different things, but I think there's a huge trend right now, right? So we have an on-campus program um, where we're bringing Sophia Health to schools across the country. And I will tell you that we were, we were looking at this like, okay, we'll help, you know, there's yoga class, we'll offer these different classes. They're already yoga instructors. I mean, they're already into this world immensely with fitness and exercise and health. So it's a, so I think there's the different trends, right? So I think you have to look at the different trends, like the boomers, like, Hey, I didn't grow up with technology. I didn't grow up with internet. You know, I grew up with that old family physician that yeah. checked on my family and they were responsible for our care all the way down to what we're seeing today. So I see the older generations who were the more reliant on the physician and that appointment. And then I see the, the Gen Z's are, they, they don't wait on a physician. There is no, that relationship yeah. never existed for them. They're online, they're booking. And not only are they taking control, they're already, you know, the instructors um, yeah. for some of these different, for, for some of these different things, which I think is, it was mind blowing for me to see that, but also telling of the younger industry. So I think what has happened, I think we get set in our ways and we don't yeah. know these things exist. And I think in wellness, I think there's a lot of misconceptions out there. Oh, it's all, um, you know, snake oil and, you know, there's nothing official here and I only trust my physician. And I think, um, I think that's really hard and I think that's fair. And I think that's why we on our platform are trying to bring transparency. How do we discern between somebody who calls himself a coach or a health coach or a wellness insert title here and who's actually been trained and where were you trained <laughs> and what certificates do you hold because now that people are searching for to take care of themselves how do we give them the information to choose and hey if it's snake oil and i'm interested in snake oil uh, i'll get it but i want to yeah. know the difference and so i think i don't know what your thoughts are but looking at it generationally right over time I think yeah. it's very fascinating. It is fascinating. I do see like the Gen Z group, they are very much into social activism and health and wellness, Yep. which I think is there are two both wonderful things to be um, pushing for uh, the the who's um, qualified. This is a great discussion because you know, I work with a, a group of people, kind of a coalition that we have. And I think something you I mean, you would be awesome to talk about this. Um, when in the organization C-Reps, which is kind of a certification registration uh, organization for exercise professionals, and we're tackling these issues. Oh my gosh, I'd love to be connected. And oh, you, I will, after yeah. this, I will put you in contact with our email group. Awesome. We're making it official, but this is a very large initiative we're doing, both the government and pr private sector, everything, to who are the stakeholders? Yep. Who are the different service providers, stakeholders, mapping that out. And then essentially what you're talking about, who are these people and creating a better funnel for changing our industry? Because we, we need, we need to have a better understanding of what we're actually in. Oh, a, a thousand percent. Right. I, I mean, we need to understand um, the transparency behind, I'm going to call myself an exercise coach from all of this wellness. So many that we've gotten a bad rap in quote unquote wellness, because there's no defined standards. Okay, great. But maybe there is in this state. Maybe there's not, maybe there's a certificate, right. right? When you look at what the NBHWC's done, I think it's incredible, right? Here's validation. 
you know, these people are trained. Now everybody can go get a health coach certificate, but you must be certified and take this test. Um, and we're going to do X, Y, Z standards. And I think it's incredible. I mean, people don't know how to search for a health coach yet. Um, cause we're still searching for our actual issues, which is also what our platform helps with, but yeah. there is no transparency from right. life coaches, wellness, nutrition. It's so, it's just so convoluted and, we're never going to change that if we don't bring transparency. I love that. The transparency. That's what we're trying to do is try to create create transparency and and understand that a lot of maybe some of these issues are are larger part of the problem that we've kind of created in our system. And like you mentioned like uh, a provider saying, "I don't want to be on Instagram," you know, and I actually I hear that a lot more often from yeah. people. I don't want to do this stuff. I just yeah. want to do the thing that I like to do. I don't want to spend all this time. There's a fatigue yes. uh, factor there that I'm, I see that coming a large with a lot of people. Well, I mean, think about it. I mean, do you go, when you need care, there's two, two, two points I want to make here. One, <clears throat> we don't expect our, our physicians to be on Instagram dancing uh, around <laughs> or doing whatever. Right. So and I just like to bring respect to the industry. Like if I, <clears throat> if the physicians aren't going to be on Instagram and be forced to put their business on Instagram, I don't want my health coaches and like and these other nutrition professionals having to do that either. Um, yeah. Just, it, it is, it is fatiguing, right? I know there's marketing that they're going to have to do, but you know, sure. what else, what else is there other than just that fatigue of the the constant grind of Instagram or social media or TikTok or whatever it is. Um, and the second point is when you actually need somebody, like when you don't feel good, do you really go to Instagram to shop for your doctors? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> Which is right. So it's it may be good for the people who are the influencers and the exercise and look at me, I'm a certain way, but it doesn't work maybe in the wellness or the mental health yeah. space. And so just having a you know, hopefully we have a platform where we can just take it, take, you know, put them on a platform, you know, ZocDoc exists for physicians. We're here for these wellness professionals. You know, I just want them taken seriously. Um, yeah. So well, one of the issues is in, in much of like science and health and wellness is we have a huge communication problem. So while like we may have lots of great things like Sophia Health and we have C-Reps and all these things, a lot of people don't know about it. Right. But they know yeah. about Instagram. Oh, they know yeah. about yeah. this. So it's like we haven't, you know, professionals like ourselves, we haven't done the best job of getting out there, whether it's through having our own podcast, being on podcasts, different media outlets. We have to like we have to be the change. We have yeah. to get our because if not, you're just in a silo. You're just doing your thing and no one knows. It's, it's actually in, insane the amount of good stuff that's happening that most professionals have no clue exists. It's insane. Exactly. Or maybe what they do know about, um, isn't, um, isn't good. Right. So, right. you know, they're, they're getting the, the not so good kind of marketing paths, which is hard for them to assess. Where do I go? Where do I put my business? How do I show up online? Yeah. But you're, you're right. Yeah. That's an, how do I show up online? I hear that from so many people. How do I show up online? And it's funny from doing this podcast for a really long time, I'm seeing less and less people send me links for your major social media stuff. It's like their website. They're like, just my website, just send people. They don't even want to deal with all the other stuff. It's got, I'm watching this happen. It's interesting. You know? Yeah. In the health and wellness space, it's, 
it's exhausting, exhausting. Um, to, to be on there when you, when you do again, and maybe they've realized some of my people will find me on Instagram. It's a great, maybe discovery for one subset of users. Right. But other than that, where are people going to go for information? So we build these websites and they're, they're marketing funnels. Yeah. Right. So people can get the information. You need to be putting information online. So you show up where your customers are. So many practitioners come to us and they're like, I don't know who my primary, you know, market demographic is. They don't know really who they help. And the problem in health and wellness is you can help everybody from zero to a hundred. So it's hard to yeah. be niche, you know, and then right. they're forced to be niche and then then it's website and then it becomes blogging and sales conversions. And, <laughs> and then they're like, I just want to help people. And so, but you're right. Point taken, you know, one day, hopefully we'll be as big as the Amazons and Etsy's of the world. Be nice. Well, we we definitely need better options for people. I mean, I think of the physicians, like you talked about, I mean, they're so busy. They're having these five to 10 minute appointments. I work with a lot of physicians and also their educational background is not sufficient to meet the demand of mental health and wellness and all that's, it's still so specialized. They're not. It's not what they were trained for. Not That's, what they're trained to do. And we don't want them to be. So as no. soon as we accept this and say, and, and understand what we go to them for and what we go to these other practitioners for, I think we'll all be in a better place and know where to go for care. I think I like the acceptance part of it. Like you have brought an aspect of like, listen, let's not try to make the physician something more than it is. This person is. Let's just accept who they are at this point in time. There could be a future when that person is more equipped, when the educational stands are changed. But as it is for right now in the foreseeable future, you have to accept this is how it is. And we have other options. And why would we put the burden on our physicians? They already have to know so much and they're just a human, they're a mom, a dad, you know, they've got family um, and some of them are business owners. And then they yeah. realize, oh, wow, I went into business. Now I'm more business than I am actually the caregiver anymore, which is hard. And that's a hard reality. So yeah, why, why would we expect one day that education is going to change? Why wouldn't they just expand their care team? We don't make them do the nursing duties, the right. admin duties. Cool. Start bringing in your health coach, your grief coach, your life coaches. Start bringing right. in these different practitioners, the exercise professionals. Mm -hmm. Bring these professionals in. When we have the transparency, now we can start saying, I want this person on my care team and I'm going to hand this, hand this off to them, just like they've done with nurses. Right? Yeah. We have different levels of nurses to do different levels of jobs. We don't have to make the physicians do everything. There's a right. place for everybody. Um, and we, in this continuum of care, I think that's just really important. I mean, there's a lot here, seriously. <laughs> there's just like a lot. I mean, there's so much here and uh, we don't have all the time in the world, but I would love for you to tell everyone how to get connected with Sophia Health and the whole spiel behind that. Yeah, yeah sure. So if you're looking for us, Go to sophiahealth.com. If you are a health and wellness professional and you want to get your business online, you're welcome to go to sophiahealth.com and sign up. We can send you guys special discount codes. Or if you're just an individual and you're looking to be empowered and take control of your health, find one of the professionals on the platform, book with them. A lot of them have free services. Um, a lot of them have free consults to see if you're a right fit. So take advantage of it. Start taking control of your health today. Well said. <laughs> Riley, this has been awesome. Seriously. I was like, man, there's a lot of other things I could be asking right now, but, but I think these are what talking to people and having continued conversations, I think 
really important. I'm definitely going to be talking to you again. <laughs> you yeah, yeah. And we definitely need to connect offline. We're going to connect offline. I think that would be yeah. huge, but thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it very much. And, and thanks for all the work that you're doing, bringing awareness to all of these d- issues. I think it's just, again, it's very important for all of us, especially thanks. your work in the transparency space. Oh. Um, I'm jazzed about it because it's just, you know, we need to be taken seriously, professionally held to those standards. So what are the standards? <laughs> what are the standards? What's the, how can we operate at the top of our criteria for what it means to be, you know, qualified and all these, these are all the things we're working on. I'm trying to work on. It's, it's a big thing, but thank you so much for your contributing to that by being on here. So thank you so much. Thanks very much, Darian. I appreciate it.